Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Good to be with you. Good to be with those of you who are watching in the sanctuary this morning. Uh, It's just good to be in the house of the Lord today. Uh, We are keeping the main thing the main thing. At least that's what we're trying to do. It's easier said than done sometimes, but that's what we are focused on as we're looking at the book of Galatians. With this theme to our sermon series, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing. And I challenged you last week with this question, what do you put in the nothing box? What is it that you try to add to the gospel of Jesus Christ? You know, we started off on this journey by looking at what Paul had to say and focusing on what Paul had to say because Paul's letter in Galatians is really important to us as a foundational place as followers of Jesus. Paul wrote this letter as one of the first letters of the New Testament, and he wrote it in a place that was one of the first places he visited as a missionary the area of Galatia, it's in modern-day Turkey today. He made his way up there, and he shared the gospel pure and true, what we call as Lutherans justification by faith. Uh, I won't say that we just as Lutherans call it that, but, but it's a key and important thing. It means that by trusting in Jesus, that's all we need. We just trust in Jesus and what he has done for us, and that's enough. That's enough. That's enough for life eternal to move forward as his followers. It's so important that we get this. And there were those who followed up after Paul who started changing the message. They started messing around with it. They started saying, well, yeah, yeah, it's good that you follow Jesus and believe in Jesus, but you need to add all these other things too. You need to add all these different aspects of the law. You need to go back to the the truth of the Old Testament and and those things. You need to make sure that, that you're doing everything right in addition to believing and trusting in Jesus. And Paul came in and said, that's a different gospel. That's not the same gospel that I brought to you. And as a matter of fact, if you hear any other gospel other than the one that I preached to you, let that person be accursed. Paul had strong words and strong language. Don't put anything in the nothing box. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And sure enough, right after we got finished with that final preaching of that sermon on Sunday. I was chatting with a parishioner who came to me and was talking to me and says, yes, you know what, Pastor, I really appreciated that. You know, one, one of the things that just reminded me of is the fact that, you know, it's like doctrine. It's like, don't add any doctrine to any of this stuff. It's just Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And then my hair started to stand up on the back of my neck. Because here's the thing. Doctrine is extremely important. That's what Paul is talking about here, actually. He's talking about a doctrine of justification, being righteous through faith. That's a, that's a doctrine. But here's the thing that I needed to check myself in, is that while that is absolutely true, and while I'm not shifting or changing off of that at all, there are a lot of other kinds of doctrines that different Christians believe and have believed at different times that don't disqualify them from following Jesus. And sometimes in my own self-righteousness or my own desire to add something to the gospel, I want to say something like, well, yeah, Jesus and you believing everything exactly the same way as I do about Jesus, well, that's really everything. And I have to repent of that myself. I have to be reminded of that myself, that there can be different experiences that people have of Jesus. That doesn't change anything from righteousness by faith alone. But it does mean that every one of us is susceptible to things, even good things, that can be added to the gospel that actually subtract from it. So that's where we got started. If you want to know more, just go back and take a look at last week as we got started on this journey. Today we want to continue. We want to move on to the next incredible emphasis 
that Paul has in this letter. And it has to do with the key to receiving and remaining in the grace of God. Grace is this gift from God. We want to stay in that place. Paul even talks about it. He says, I I don't set aside the grace of God. No, I I remain in it. Because if, if I lose that, well, then Christ died for nothing. So we want to stay in that place of God's grace. And Paul has some powerful things to share about what that means. And I want to dive into it right away here today with you by reading a passage from Galatians chapter 3. If you have your Bibles with you, you can open up to Galatians chapter 3. We're going to begin reading in Galatians chapter 3 at verse 1. If you're there, just follow along with me as I read. These are the words of Paul. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again, I ask, does God give his Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Paul is throwing around some terms here and some things that I think are important for us to understand and get a hold of. Spirit and flesh. He asked this key question to the Galatians, and it's a critical question about remaining in the grace of God. After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Spirit and flesh, flesh and spirit. What are these things that Paul is contrasting? Where do they come from? What do they mean? Well, Jesus spoke specifically about these things too. He spoke about these things in the Gospel of John. And if you, if you want to turn there, that's great. Or if you want to just write it down, it's, it's John chapter 3, beginning at verse 3. And I want to read this passage to you too, because Jesus is having an encounter with a very prominent Jewish leader, a keeper of the law, somebody who would have thought that keeping the law was extremely important and was just learning these new things from Jesus himself. It says this starting in verse 3. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. So Jesus is is making some connections between birth and between the spirit and flesh. He's kind of tying these things together. Some of them he's using as metaphor. Others of them he's trying to just express a truth and something that's helpful for us to understand. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Every one of us is born naturally. Every one of us didn't just pop into existence on this earth, okay? 
we came as a means of flesh. Flesh gives birth to flesh. But there's another birth that comes in us when we come into new life, being born again, and that is a spiritual birth. A spiritual birth. And that spiritual birth is a work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does this work. And he begins that work in us, and he sustains us in that work. So this contrast is being made here between spirit and flesh. Now, here's something I want to share with you. It's kind of like a little sidebar in this, but it's really important, okay? I want you to understand what is not being said here about the flesh, because people throughout Christian history have screwed this up, okay? Jesus and Paul are not saying that your physical body is something bad, okay? That is not what they're saying here. And it's incredibly important because there was an ancient heresy, started way back, it's called Gnosticism, and it gave this idea that your flesh, your physical body, just doesn't matter. It's, 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 it's evil, it's corrupt, it's broken, it just doesn't matter. Only thing that matters is your spirit, and this belief led to, to two different things that have happened throughout history. One thing that happened was this idea of like, well, since your flesh is, is separate from your spirit, it doesn't really matter what you do with your flesh. Go do whatever you want with it. You know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. What happens in the world stays in the world. It doesn't really matter. None, in, none of that stuff actually matters. It only matters what's happening in your spirit. Okay? This is not true. This is not true. We are body, soul, and spirit. We have a, a fleshly existence, and that existence is not bad, okay? It's not bad. The counter response to this that's happened throughout history is this ultra-super puritanism that is like, well, no, 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 no. Instead, we've got to make sure that we suppress everything that seems like in any way has to do with, with any of our, our physical needs or desires, that that should all just be shoved to the corner. We don't want any of that because that's all, that's all bad, too, and we don't want to corrupt ourselves, through anything that would come from these natural bodies. Folks, listen. Jesus, the Son of God, sent by God, came in the flesh. He came in the flesh. So if Jesus, the Son of God, shows up on the earth in the flesh, is it any way possible that the flesh in and of itself is inherently evil? No, of course not. Of course not. So what are they getting at here when they're contrasting this idea of spirit and flesh and of starting in the spirit and finishing in the flesh? They're talking about trying to use this body or the things that we do in this world to seek approval from God. That somehow there are things that we can do or stop doing that will make us more approved by God, that will somehow win our salvation. It's the same argument being laid out that Paul laid out before. But this important aspect that's been added to this, which is so beautiful, is talking about the Spirit. All right, now maybe you're thinking, oh, wait a second, Pastor, are you now saying that Jesus plus the Spirit equals everything? Okay, here's another important thing for us to remember. There is one God, <laughs> Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So whether Paul is speaking of the Holy Spirit or Jesus himself is speaking of the Holy Spirit, one God. So this work of the Spirit is the work of God within us. It's, it's the work of Jesus within us. This is all tied together. 
But the Spirit of God is what brings us into life. It brings about this new birth in us, into a new way of seeing the world, in a new way of living, a new life. That's what it means to be born again, born of the Spirit. And this metaphor, this, this talking about being born into the Spirit, this is something that Paul continues to talk about with the Galatians. In Galatians 4, verses 4 through 7, Paul says this, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship, because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Birth, childhood, child of God, work of the Spirit. These things are being tied together by Paul in a beautiful way. It's something that brings about new life in us. The Holy Spirit comes to give us life. And the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts to bring Christ into our hearts. You hear what Paul is saying there? Now, when you think about that, you think, well, wait a minute, that doesn't sound like I have a whole lot to do with it. And you're absolutely right. <laughs> this is the work of God. This is the work of Jesus. Jesus being born into your heart through the Holy Spirit. You have been rescued in this life and brought into new life by God's work, not yours. And this work is uniquely the work of the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like this. You know, when we look at this question that Paul asked the Galatians, when you, why did you, why having started out in the Spirit, are you trying to finish in the flesh? Why having recognized that this new life that's come into you is, is a work of God through his Holy Spirit, now why are you trying to figure out the rest of it on your own? Now why are you trying to work something out through your own strength apart from God's strength? Why are you doing this? I think about it this way. When we had our first child, Jared, we went to the hospital preparing to give birth, and, and we were working with the doctor and with the nurses, and, and we had seen them a couple of different times. But as we got there, you know, there was a long labor process and waiting for Jared. So we're there kind of hour upon hour, and we get checked in on pretty regularly. And, and, and finally, as we were getting closer and closer to, to the point where it's like, okay, it's, it's, time to, it's time to have this child. The doctor and the nurse were in there with us, and the doctor looked around and said, yep, yep, yeah, I think we're about ready. We are about ready for you to start pushing. And then he and the nurse left the room. <laughs> I'm not joking. They left the room. Angela and I were there by ourselves. And the same thought was going through both of our minds. Are they coming back? Or are we kind of just going to figure this out on our own? I don't know whether it was 30 seconds or 30 minutes. It felt like an eternity. But they were gone. And eventually, yes, they came back in and were there for us. But it was a kind of shocking experience. It was like, okay, thank you for being here with us all the way up to this point, but I guess we're on our own from this point on. That's why the next time around, <laughs> when it came time for us to have Ethan, we had a midwife. 
Now, I'm not here to promote midwifery or anything else. Please don't get me wrong in this. I'm just saying that in our lives, this was a change. It was a shift. We had a midwife. And this midwife was somebody who met with us regularly all throughout our pregnancy and then was there with us in the room the entire time, (laughs) never left, never took a different place or walked out. She was just right there with us through the whole thing, through the whole delivery In some ways, the Holy Spirit is like a midwife. The Holy Spirit is there to to deliver Christ into our hearts and then to deliver through us this new life that goes out into the world. It's a picture of the presence of God that doesn't leave us, but is right there with us. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Spirit brings the life of Jesus into your heart It makes you a child of God through faith. Now, what else? What else does the Holy Spirit do? Well, in Galatians 5, 16 through 25, Paul brings us the rest of the story. He starts saying this in verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So here we have this flesh and spirit thing again. And again, what's being addressed here is not the fact that your body is bad. What's being addressed here is that apart from the work of the Spirit, if we're left on our own, we will twist and manipulate and live selfishly and live for our own desires every time. We will try to make our own way through this and we will mess it up. That's why there is this call to live by the Spirit, the same Spirit who called you into new life, the same Spirit who delivered Jesus into your heart. This same Spirit is now with you to empower you in your life of following Jesus and to resist the temptations of sin. This is good news, friends. Because it means you're not on your own. You're not trying to do this by yourself. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And Jesus promised us the Holy Spirit so that we can live into everything he has for us in this life and on into eternity. So what does it mean then for us? How do we stay in this place of grace? Well, we walk and keep in step With the Spirit. That's how Paul phrases it. We walk by the Spirit. 
We live by the Spirit and we keep in step with the Spirit. Walking and keeping in step. These are words of relationship, friends. They're words of relationship. My wife and I have a practice and we're trying to get more and more disciplined about this practice, but it's about going on a daily walk with one another. Sometimes we get away from it. Sometimes we forget. Sometimes we're sitting in our chair just going, oh, I don't really want to go for a walk right now. <laughs> but, but, but at our best, in relationship to one another, we know that this walk is good for us. Because it's not just a physical workout together, walking. It's being present with one another. It's walking side by side. It's talking with one another. And believe me, we've had some great conversations. We've had some hard conversations as well. But it's brought about life for us to continue to walk with one another on this journey. Walking with the Spirit is the same thing. It's not about a, 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 a do it or do or, or your, your else, you know, do it or else. Do it or else, you know, there's some judgment that's hanging over you if you don't. No. It's about the joy of relationship with God. The joy that comes through walking in the Spirit and walking with the Spirit and keeping in step with the Spirit. So I would encourage you in your daily walk, how are you relating to the Holy Spirit? Are you putting yourself in that place before him where you just say, Spirit, I can't do this on my own. Come and live in me. Fill me again. Lead me. Guide me. Empower me. Help me to walk with you as you walk with me so that I can stay in this grace that you have offered me, this incredible gift that you have given me. This is what it means to walk in this spirit, in relationship with God. That's my hope for each of us, is that as we continue on this journey of faith, as we, as we remember to keep Jesus at the center of all of it and add nothing to it, is that Jesus has promised to us to send the Holy Spirit as he does in the Gospel of John, as he breathes on his disciples in the Gospel of Luke, it says, receive this spirit that it would be the life of Jesus at work in you supernaturally by his power to keep walking this journey of faith. That's my hope for you and that is my prayer for you and that's why we are gonna pray together this right now. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, uh, we know that you are good. We trust and believe that you are good and we know that apart from you we can do nothing and that if we try to add any of our own work and, and effort into this, Lord, somehow that, that we will take away from what it is that you have done for us, Jesus, when it comes to our salvation, the righteousness that you have given to us, the right relationship that you have offered to us. Father, as we walk in this journey now, trusting in you, may we live further into your spirit, May we open ourselves up to your Holy Spirit. That we don't strive in ourselves, but instead, Lord, we, we surrender to you. We open ourselves, Holy Spirit, to you coming and, 
and being within us and delivering Christ into our hearts and then delivering through us the work of Jesus into the world. Father, thank you for this gift today. May we receive it. Holy Spirit, come and fill your people. Help us, Lord, in this day to let it be a new, fresh day of receiving from you. We're so grateful for your work. We trust in you. We leave it all in your care. Jesus, you and you alone. We love you and we pray these things in your name. Amen.